Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Fake after week two Sunday. A lot to get to today. Jared Bailey with you from USA Today. Joined by my friend from Ble- Bleacher Report, if I could speak this morning. It's Mo Moten. It is so good to see you, my friend. How are you? Good to see you, too. A lot of people don't notice, but we're both NFL Spin Zone alums. I don't know if you, you remember that, but that's, that's where kind of we both came up. <laughs> so... We got we got some roots that cross paths and and finally I get to be on the Pump Fake podcast with you, which is long overdue. We did a spaces a long time ago. You're a busy guy, I'm a busy guy, but we we're here to make it happen today. Yeah, we uh, we are plants grown in the same field uh, in terms of <laughs> where where we kind of uh, began this whole thing. So, man, it's so good to see you. Um, for Raiders fans. Yeah, I saw you tweeted this uh, and it made me laugh. You said, hey, if you're a Raiders fan and you, you missed the game, you know, watch the first drive and then just turn everything off if you want to have a good day. Uh, it, it's, it was very apparent that Raiders fans got the entire Jimmy Garoppolo experience yesterday in the first half where, oh my goodness, first drive, you know, they get down the field, he throws a screen to Devontae Adams who does the rest and takes him into the end zone, early lead. And then I believe it's the next drive where he throws just a boneheaded pick where he's about to get sacked, just kind of throws it up. And then the Bills are set up in good good field position, and they didn't really look back after that. Um, Josh Allen cleaned up his act as well, 31 to 37, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. And then defensively, the Bills just took care of business the rest of the way, not allowing a touchdown after the first drive. What were your biggest takeaways uh, from the Raiders' perspective after yesterday? They're losing in the trenches, and anytime you lose in the trenches, you're probably going to lose the football game. I believe the Raiders had the ball for about 20 minutes in the, in the entire game, so that's a third of the time they've had they had possession. They weren't able to run the ball, so they couldn't keep the Bills' high-powered offense off the field, and then they weren't able to pressure Josh Allen. They went to zone defense, and he basically picked them apart. And I warned Raider fans that this is my golden rule with good quarterbacks and good football teams. When they're embarrassed on the national stage – and a standalone game, typically they button it up for the next game. And I know a lot of people, and we talked about this a little bit on, on social media, that a lot of people are going to say, oh, Josh Allen's trash now because he doesn't have Brian Dayball. He's going to, you know, he's going to have this major regression. Josh Allen's still a pretty good dynamic quarterback last time I checked. He does make mistakes. He, As I said, he does have some a lot of Brett Favre in him. He's going to make some spectacular throws. He's also going to give you a chance to make some plays on the football but you didn't see any of that on Sunday against the Raiders. And the Raiders have not for, have not forced any turnovers in two weeks of the season so far. So that's the other problem is you got a dynamic quarterback who can button it up and be dynamic and put a lot of points on you really quick. And then you have the defense that's struggled to force turnovers for what seems like the last two decades and then doesn't have a pass rush outside of Max Crosby on top of that. So the Raiders got pushed around on both sides of the line. A lot of people want to talk about Josh Allen, but the Bills also ran for, I believe, 183 yards. James Cook at 123 yards on the ground. They averaged five yards, 5.2 yards per carry against the Raiders defense. So a lot of that's on the defensive line for the Raiders. A lot of that's on the offensive line. As you mentioned, the pick, there was pressure in Jimmy Garoppolo's face, 
hurry the pass interception that's what you get and we still got like a healthy dose of like random bullshit josh allen yesterday it, it was just you know <laughs> it was just like you said it was a lot more buttoned up like on on the touchdown pass to khalil shakir he's kind of you know uh stepping back and forth in the pocket and then just sidearms it beautiful pass and then on the gabe davis touchdown pass he's running around like a wounded white tail throws it back across his body and gabe davis just uses that big frame to, to make a really nice catch so we still got uh, josh allen this is what josh allen is and i think that if people haven't accepted that yet that they just kind of have to where every and you said it everybody and their mother last week was throwing up the graphic oh my goodness josh allen most turnovers in the league since 2018 well what they conveniently failed to leave out is the fact that he's second in the NFL on that span in total touchdowns. And he's the only one on that list that comes close to even being on the list of total touchdowns. So yeah, he's going to play every week. Like he just beer bunged three Red Bulls and chased it with a five hour energy. That's just, <laughs> that's who he is. Yes. But for better or worse, he's going to be the gun that the bills live and die by because he's going to also make five to 10 plays a game that swing their momentum in the favor of the bills. And there's not too many guys that can do what he does. He also had that one signature Josh Allen, I'm going to try to hurdle a defender. Oh, yeah. He, he like swanton bombed into a group of Raiders, <laughs> and he's lucky he didn't get spiked by, yes. by a couple defenders. Jesus, <laughs> Lord. Yes. That's the, jo that's the full Josh Allen experience. Now, fortunately for the Bills, it was more positive than negative. But he's going to – interception passes are going to happen, and he's going to, and he's going to put himself in danger where he just throws his body like Mick Foley off of the top of a cage. And it's just, it, you're just going to get that from Josh Allen. That's just part of the, that's, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to take the good with the reckless with him. Staying in the AFC, we'll go to the AFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals 0-2 for the second consecutive year. Joe Burrow looks bad for the second consecutive game. And I said last week going into this game, I'm not too worried about the Bengals. You know, they started off the season literally the exact same way last year, where Burrow didn't have any training camp reps, no preseason, and they started off slow, losing to Pittsburgh and Dallas last year. Now, a little bit different now, though, because, okay, you're 0-2, but you're also 2 down in the division. You lost two division games to start off the season. Joe Burrow still doesn't look exactly right. He threw a really bad red zone interception yesterday that just didn't look characteristic of Joe Burrow. The Ravens now, they sit at 2-0 with a win over the Bengals. The Browns, if they win tonight, are 2-0 with two division wins. You're in an early hole if you're the Bengals right now. You're in an early hole, the Bengals. And let me tell you, Jared, what, what irks me. We like to throw out that stat about 0-2 teams, you know, only make the playoffs 10-11% of the time. You yeah. hear that stat every time, right? After yeah. two. You hear that stat over and over again. Let's remember now we have an extra playoff team in each conference. So those, you know, those numbers are going to, the percentage is going to go up. Yeah. And as you said, the Bengals started off so last year and look, look, look at where they ended up. I'm not worried about the Bengals team per se. I'm more worried about Joe Burrow's injury. So he tweaked his hands. He tweaked his calf again, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, hobbling off the field uh, at some point during the game. It was near, I want to say it was maybe after the interception where he. Right. He, I can't remember exactly when, but yeah, he was, he was, was hobbling was, off the field. It was later in the game, and that's what I want to monitor. How you know is that injury going to linger? Because I even think with a seventy percent Joe Burrow, I still think the Bengals can make the playoffs. But I picked them to actually win the Super Bowl. Mm. If he if he doesn't get over that injury, if it's something that lasts throughout the duration of the season, then I'm gonna have to back off that and pick a new AFC team. I'm not gonna hop on the Dolphins bandwagon just yet because two has got to stay healthy himself. Sure, but the Bengals, I. I don't think the worry has set in yet. I think it all depends on what the severity of his re-aggravated calf strain is. If it's something where he has to miss a string of games, 
then you're thinking about, okay, the Bengals may have to squeak into the playoffs with nine, 10 wins. Well, now if he continues to play and he says, I, you know, I have the pain threshold for this, I'm still not hopping off the Bengals when the Super Bowl bandwagon just yet because they still have a talented team around. Yeah, I mean, they started off bad last season and they were still within plays of making it to the Super Bowl, um, even without um, even with a slow start. Um, their next string of games is as followed. They host the Rams. They go to Tennessee, to Arizona, host the Seahawks. Those are their next four. And then after that, it is a murder's row for two weeks. They go to San Francisco and host Buffalo. So... You know, you if you go three and one in these next four, you're feeling pretty okay. But you gotta at least split 49ers and Bills to really feel good about yourself. And then you got Texans, Ravens, Steelers, and then Jacksonville for their next four. It's not an easy schedule for the Bengals. Um, and like you said, if if Jake Browning is the quarterback for any of those games, it's not <laughs> I'm not picking them to win. I'm not either, but the funny thing about the AFC North, and you're familiar with the AFC North, right? I, I actually thought the Ravens would be the team to drop off because I did too. I wasn't sold on I, I felt like their defense is gonna take a step back. Marlon Humphrey is is out with an injury, and they lost their top sack leader from last year and Justin Houston, Houston, who's now in Carolina. I thought that J- uh, Lamar Jackson would have an adjustment period under Todd Monken. Now he's had no he had Hasn't had sparkling performances, but he's done enough for that team to win games now. I bet they they played the Texans in the first week. So, you know, that that's, I don't want to say a gimme game, but you expected the Ravens to win, even with the adjustments. But I expected the Bengals to win this game against the Ravens. And the fact that, you know, typically Joe Burrow has played well against the Ravens, for them to drop that game. Again, I'm still a little weary on the Ravens. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see how they, because they're another team that deals with a lot of injuries. They're already without J.K. Dobbins. As I said, Marlon Humphrey has missed the first couple of games with an injury. We'll see how that pass rush comes around. But the Ravens, the AFC North in general is going to be interesting with the Steelers. A lot of people thought the Steelers would win. Like I had the Steelers win 11 games. I'll be completely honest, full disclosure. No, so did I. We we are very much (laughs) in the same boat when it comes to all of this. And we'll see what happens Monday night. But this is the still, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong on this. The Steelers, the games where they you think they should show up, they don't. And the things, the games that you think they're going to lose, because I think a lot of people are picking the Browns after what they did to the to the Bengals in Week One. A lot yeah. of people are picking the Browns to win Monday night, and I think this is a game that the Steelers could sp- surprise a lot of people, even without Cam Hayward, even without Deontay Johnson. Lo and behold, Kenny Pickett looks like the second coming of Terry Bradshaw, and the Steelers <laughs> put out a win. We'll see what happens there. But the AFC North, very interesting division to watch and monitor. I want to address all of that that you just said. I still don't believe in the Ravens. I really don't. Like you look at. <laughs> You look at how the offense performed, specifically Lamar Jackson in week one. He had a QBR of 13 against the Texans. He didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, though, there was, there was a, it was a lot better yesterday. He threw that uh, really nice ball downfield to Zay Flowers. He looked a lot better with his decision-making and whatnot. However, my biggest thing about the Ravens wasn't Lamar. I always figured, okay, he'll get acquainted with Todd Munkin's system. He's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can't stay healthy. We're already seeing it. Everybody in their secondary that's worth a piss is hurt. And then you look at Odell Beckham. He's already hurt. J.K. Dobbins, he's gone for the season again. Like, it's great that, you know, going into the season, they had the potential to be good offensively, but they're relying on a lot of guys with a track record of not being able to stay healthy. So two weeks in, they're already this injured. Once we get into, you know, November, December, I'm not counting on all of them to stay healthy. Uh, I'm still very, oh, excuse me, still very wary of the Baltimore Ravens. And in terms of the Steelers, yeah, I mean, that's a, being a Steelers fan in a nutshell is, all right, they should go into this game. Like next week, they play your Raiders. I promise you they will lose that game. They haven't <laughs> won. They haven't beaten. Here's a fun stat for you. They haven't beaten the Raiders on the road since 1995. 
They just can't do it. And throughout the Roethlisberger era with Mike Tomlin, I think Ben beat the Raiders tw- two and five against the Raiders in his career, something crazy like that. He wasn't good against the Raiders. Um, yeah, I, I, I fully expect them. I think they'll win a close game tonight. I think they'll lose to the Raiders. They'll let the Texans hang around and you know beat them in a close game that shouldn't be that close. And then the next day, we're all going to be like, okay, why are the Steelers letting the Texans hang around? I mean, they're two and two, but I, I can already foresee the conversations that are going to happen around the Steelers. It's going to really bug me. It's going to be annoying, but such is life as a Steelers fan, especially in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era. It's going to be fun Sunday night because I feel like that's going to be a close game. I know Raider fans are kind of worried because I believe it was Christmas Eve last year. Derek Carr had a horrible game. Yeah. You know, the, the weather was a factor, but Derek Carr threw just some terrible passes and, and let, you know, the Steelers win that low scoring game. And people are saying, well, defense is worse than it was last year for the Raiders. So, why is it Kenny Pickett just going to go up the field against the Raiders defense? And I believe you you can, again, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the Steelers sure. have some questions with their offensive line, right? So yeah. the Raiders have some questions with their offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what which offense gets it clicking first. And I know the Raiders defense could be a sieve at times, and the Steelers still have playmakers, even though Cam Hayward is not on the field. But I, I just feel like that's going to be an entertaining Sunday night game because the Steelers had high expectations. The Raiders' offense was expected to be better. I believe they're spending the fifth most cap dollars in their offense, the Raiders are. That's crazy. And for them to score, what, 27 points in two weeks? I know they played Denver and Buffalo. But if Washington, the Washington Commanders with the new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, 35 against Denver, why couldn't the Raiders score more than 20? That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, and with the Steelers, like, most fans will point out, you know, talking about that game last year on Christmas Eve, everybody it was like, oh, Kenny Pickett, he's him. He's got that clutch gene. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, that's great and all. But you know what else would be great? If he didn't play like ass for 58 minutes so they didn't have to come back on the final drive of the game. That would be really cool if they didn't have to do that. So I'm I'm still very suspect about Kenny Pickett. I, I tried to buy into the optimism, man. Like at Steelers camp, I saw with my eyes, he looked he looked a lot better, looked a lot more poised, looked more accurate, looked bigger. I was like, all right, you know, I, just, I don't think he's going to be elite, but can he be, you know, like Jared Goff for the Lions last year? Sure. And I tried to buy into it. Week one took away any optimism I had. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much in the boat of I will believe it when I see it with Kenny Pickett at this point. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. So, so I ask you when I think it was Kenny Pickett had a perfect pass rating the preseason. Were you buying into the hype of that, or were you like, absolutely? Oh, it's just, it's just I was preseason. In. Nope, I was. I was fully. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're he's going to be great. He's going to be fine. This is good. This is awesome. Like, and it wasn't just the perfect passer rating or the five drives and five touchdowns. It was okay. He's he's seeing things better. Like they're against Buffalo. He made a really nice touchdown pass to Pat Fryermuth where Matt Milano had his back turned to the defense. Kenny recognized it immediately, threw it back shoulder to Fryermuth, touchdown. I was like, okay, that's not a pass he would have made last year. They were pushing the ball downfield more. Uh, against Atlanta, they had – so Deontay Johnson had a 30-yard catch, and then two, like two plays later, George Pickens had that uh, 35-yard catch down the sideline. I was like, okay, you know, Kenny Pickett looks better with his decision-making, but he's also looking more aggressive. So the offense, you know, it's not going to be – you know the the 99 rams but it'll be it'll be a lot better than what you know we've been accustomed to the past few years and then he, he looks like he did against the 49ers they get down early they never get into any sort of flow they can't have any sort of balance because they can't run the ball because you're down 17 nothing in the first quarter like I, I would like to think that tonight they'll be able to you know have a more balanced attack and then we'll see if the offensive line because yes it 
it did get better on paper. They brought over Isaac Samalo from the Eagles to play left guard, which is a big upgrade over what they had. But now Chuk's a core for, um, I, I guess he's active. I don't know uh, what they're going to do in terms of if they're going to try to bring on Broderick Jones and maybe start him at left tackle. Probably not, but Dan Moore didn't look good last week at left tackle for, for the Steelers. So they still got a few issues up front to figure out. Um, yeah, it is a it is a whirlwind right now in Pittsburgh, uh, trying to figure out all these moving parts. Um, and tonight will be so the Steelers have only started zero and two twice since two thousand since Ben Roethlisberger was drafted in two thousand four. This it's a very rare occasion that the Steelers start off this slow. Gut check game, but remember what I just said: the Steelers, when you think that they're going to lose the game, they come out and they come out firing. They look like you know, look like world beaters. All of a sudden, there's there's the optimism again. Back up, Steelers fans. Yeah, George Pickens anytime touchdown bet. I'm gonna gonna see what the odds of that are tonight. And uh... I, I need George Pickens to score. You know, get me 15 fantasy points tonight. <laughs> I'm down I'm down by about 14 points. I need George. I need a George Pickens touchdown and about you know 70 yards. That would be great for me. Let's go back to the AFC West though, because the Los Angeles Chargers they are a team that's already two and zero. And if somebody, so I tweeted out what happened yesterday basically so justin herbert 300 yards two touchdowns doesn't throw an interception the defense holds derrick henry under 100 yards rushing they sacked ryan Tanhill five times and they still lose like <laughs> it it's to the point where it's very evident brandon staley should have been fired in january this team lacks any sort of discipline defensively and we are seeing it both games so far where penalties can be attributed to the reason that they aren't two and zero right now I don't understand if you remember the I believe it was the, the Super Bowl Rams team, right? They had the number one or not even it was maybe a year before the Super Bowl Rams team. They had the number one off. They had the number one scoring defense, number one defense in total yards under Brandon Staley, right? He comes over to the Chargers in 2021 and the Chargers defense just stinks. I, I don't understand how you're a defensive minded head coach and your defense can't stop the run for two and a half years. You're giving up big leads now in your third year as a head coach. To me, as you said, it, it goes on Brandon Staley. Now, Raider fans want Brandon Staley to stay. They want to see his core. They, they, they want him to have a lifetime contract for the Chargers. <laughs> exactly, because people, a lot of people pick the Chargers a lot to win 11, 12 games. People don't know that the Chargers and the Raiders are pretty much equals when they play each other. I believe since they got Herbert in L.A., they're three and three against the Raiders. And now people would look at the charges being way up here and the Raiders being way down here. But when they play each other, they're pretty much equals. And when the Raiders go to LA to play the Chargers, there are more Raider fans than Charger fans there anyway. But back to Brandon Staley, he's got to at least be on the hot seat. I know that the Chargers ownership does quirky things. They, you know, they fire coaches when they shouldn't, they and they, they keep guys when they when they shouldn't, but you know, it, Brandon Staley, to me, if you have Justin Herbert who's putting up big numbers, you have an offense who's that's putting up big numbers. You have Khalil Mack. I know Khalil Mack isn't what he was with the Raiders and for the first year with the Bears, and they have Joey Bosa who's usually hurt, but they have playmakers on defense. They they got the prize free agent in J.C. Jackson. I know he was hurt last year, but he's back. But they have some dudes on defense. There's no way you should be giving up 27 points to the Titans' offense. The Titans off. I'd rather watch my grandma play catch with my grandpa than watch the Titans offense on the field. That's they how bad it's impressively been. bad. And the Chargers let them hang around with they had they could have gotten off the field against the twi Titans twice in one drive. And it was negated for penalties. And then Ryan Tannehill runs it in for a touchdown after again, they could have gotten off the field. It, it's the same thing that it was against Miami. 
at the end of the half, JC Jackson just shoves Jalen Waddle for no reason whatsoever. He wasn't close to the end zone. And then the Dolphins get a field goal. And what happens? The Chargers lose by two. And then this time around, um, everybody wants to kind of point the finger, it feels like, at Justin Herbert, because if you look at, you know, getting inside inside the red zone and whatnot, getting close to the goal line, they didn't execute and whatnot. That's fair. However, I would also like to point out Justin Herbert made a handful of really good plays yesterday. That running around touchdown, uh, that you know, running out of the pocket, almost falls down and just flings it. I believe it was Josh Palmer who scored. I'd have to go back and look. But Justin Herbert did what he had to do. And everybody wants to single out the one drive where he looked, okay, he looked human. Why are we talking about the Chargers defense being completely undisciplined and putting him in this precarious situation to begin with? I understand that Justin Herbert, yeah, you got to play a little bit better when it's crunch time. The offensive line fell apart last week when it was crunch time too. And this time around the play calling, like, Kellen Moore is supposed to be this godsend for the Chargers. The offense looks the same, man. <laughs> there is, yeah. I couldn't tell you the difference between what Joe Lombardi was doing and what and what Kellen Moore is doing, except maybe a little less play action. That's the only thing I'm seeing different right now. What they were hoping was that with with Kellen Moore coming in, that Josh Justin Herbert would turn it loose more and you know test defenses down the field, stretch defenses more because he was he was the short pass king under Joe yeah. Lombardi. So you didn't see that in Week One. You saw more of that. Uh, on Sunday, I, I think eventually over time, you're going to see, you know, Justin Herbert rack up bigger numbers with bigger, longer passes downfield. But I, but as you said, I'm back. I'm back on the defense. You, you just as a defensive minded head coach, it has to be a lot better. If it's not better, either you have to give up play calling or if you're calling the plays, you have to give it up or take it over. If you're not, something has to change in, in Los Angeles. Of course, Ridge fans don't want that to happen. But the Chargers' offense is too good to be 0-2 and, and to be looking up at, okay, we this season could fall apart before it even starts for us. Broncos are also 0-2 now, and they turned off the fourth largest collapse in the history of the Denver Broncos yesterday, up 21-3 against the Washington <laughs> Commanders. It felt like it was in the bag. Russell was just chucking deep balls to Marvin Mims. Everybody's like, oh, my goodness, Russ is cooking. He's back. Sean Payton did it. And then the commanders, Ogan Thomas catches a touchdown. Sam Howell looked really good yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Eric Bieniemy and that offense for not giving up, not mailing it in. And then the commander's defense came in when they needed to to make plays. Um, it wasn't pretty in the first half, but second half, the commanders really came alive and uh, outscored. I mean, after being down 21 to three, they win the game 35-33, and Commanders are 2-0, and the Broncos are left kind of scratching their heads wondering, oh, my goodness, what happened? My, my biggest takeaway from this game is, can we now stop questioning Eric Bieniemy as a play caller? Because all we've heard when he was in Kansas City was, oh, he's got Patrick Mahomes, arguably yeah. the best quarterback in the league. He's got Andy Reid. This is Andy Reid's offense. What does he do for that offense? You know, how much is he involved in it? Well, look, Broncos defense – by most measures, respectable defense. But he was his team was down, as you said, 21 to 3. So not only did he put up 35, but he had to put up 35 knowing that his offense had to push the ball downfield with Sam Howell, who has fewer than five starts in his career. So this he's going from Patrick Mahomes to Sam Howell, and he's still winning games. I'll bet Sam Howell doesn't look like an you know an offensive player of the year candidate or, or anything like that. But when the I remember when the commanders were saying, we believe in Sam Howell. A lot of people, including myself, are like, I don't know. Jacoby Brissett could steal away that job. We're not believing in Sam Howell. At the time, he had, one, I believe, one start, and that was in the season finale last year. Yeah, and a game that Dallas couldn't be bothered to care about. 
Exactly. And so a lot of people are questioning Sam Howell in that offense and even Eric Bieniemy as a play caller. And lo and behold, now they put up 35 on Denver with a big comeback win. They're 2-0. Sam Howell looks like a capable starting quarterback. Yeah. Still has a lot of room to grow. But you got to give credit to Eric Bieniemy and what he's been able to do so far with that commander's defense because the commander's defense has been playing well in, in years under you know Ron Rivera and Jake, Jack Del Rio. It's their offense that needed help. And now Eric Bieniemy coming in. It's a shot to the arm of that offense. And now they're pretty much a contender to sneak into the playoffs. Not even sneak in, but just outright claim a, a playoff berth in the NFC because we know the NFC is kind of wide open after the division leaders. Yeah, I was I was somebody who was very much on the Sam Howell hype train. I think I was actually conducting the Sam Howell hype train. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy to see him succeed yesterday. 299 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, pass a rating of 108. He played fantastic. Um, and like you said, it was in a situation where the Broncos knew, okay, they've got to push the ball. They're not going to run the ball a whole lot. So credit to Eric Bieniemy for calling a great offense. Um, and Hal made a, a few really good throws. The touchdown to Logan Thomas. Yeah, Logan Thomas took a shot, and credit to him for holding on to the ball. It was a good throw by Hal. The touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin, a good throw by Hal. I'm liking what I see from Washington. Chase Young uh, looked really good uh, yesterday in his kind of like return game. This is a defense that quietly was ninth in the NFL in DVOA last year. I, I really think that as long as Sam Howe continues to perform, I don't think he's going to be an elite specimen in the league, especially not right now just because he's so inexperienced. But if he continues to put up games like that, I think the Commanders can be a 10-win team and be the sixth seed in, in the NFC playoffs. I know this is going to be an AFC-heavy show, but quick hot take here. Are the Giants the worst team in that division? Absolutely. I know, I, I know what the records say, but – I, I get the Giants had a big comeback, but it was against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals, a team that isn't trying to win. <laughs> right. The Cardinals have been feisty, but come on. It was the Cardinals. They were down 20 to 0 at, at you know in the second quarter, I believe. I believe the Giants may be the worst team in that division, which is crazy, which is crazy to think crazy to think after they went to the playoffs and overachieved in the Brian Dable. I what I will say about the Giants offense is is showing some sparks with Jalen Hyatt getting two big catches. He looked like prime Odell Beckham Jr. wearing that number 13, getting those two big catches. You know who Jalen Hyatt reminds me a lot of? Mike Wallace. He's just fast as hell. He'll catch balls downfield, and if you utilize him, you know, he'll take a, a five-yard slant, 20 yards. Like, he'll he'll utilize that speed to get to get big yards. Absolutely. The, the, the key for the Giants is can Darren Wallace stay healthy? If Darren Wallace can stay healthy, that offense can continue to grow. But being a Raiders guy... I, I know for sure, and he's already battling a hamstring injury. Trust me, Giants fans, if you're listening to me, he's going to miss four or five games at minimum at some point. I know he's trying to say it's not a big deal right now. He's going to try to play through. He's learning to play through the injury. But Darren Waller's history over the last two seasons is just that he's going to miss games. And when he's off the field, and if Jalen Hyatt doesn't continue to pop, where are you going with the football? Darius Slayton? Paris Campbell, who's usually hurt? Bellinger, your tight end. Where are you and going? Not to mention football? Saquon Barkley now looks like he's dealing with a sprayed yeah. ankle. Doubtful that he's going to appear in Thursday night's game against the 49ers. And look, coming into the season, I told everybody that would listen the Giants are going to take a massive step back this year. When you give mm -hmm. Daniel Jones $160 million, that's a, a big signal for, oh, that was probably a bad idea. And look, credit to them. They did come back after being in a ginormous hole, tied the largest comeback in the history of the Giants. Um, 21 points, which oddly enough, the first one was also against the Cardinals when they were the Chicago Cardinals in 1949. So credit to them for sticking with it and coming back. But yeah, man, this is a team that Daniel Jones is, I think last year is 
the peak of what the Giants can be with Daniel Jones. Yeah, you can win some some low-scoring games in the regular season, maybe sneak into the playoffs, but the minute you play a team that is head and shoulders better than you, you're getting stomped into the ground and sent home. And I think that's just kind of what they are with Daniel Jones. Now, no Saquon Barkley. They're playing arguably the best team in the NFL. I know it's on a short week, and Thursday night games tend to be a little bit weird. I fully expect the 49ers to manhandle the Giants on Thursday. Yeah, they got to run the ball down the Giants' throats, and the Giants aren't going to be able to counter that. To me, when you have a short week, it, it favors the more physical football team. Yeah. And the 49ers being one of the most physical teams in the league, I, I think that should be a double-digit win. I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking the 49ers easy in that game. Giants are going to fall to one and two. And their fans will go from, oh, we had this magical comeback to, yeah, we're back to getting stomped again by a playoff team in the NFC. You brought up the Dolphins earlier and last night. Um, the Patriots seem to have a good game plan in mind where Early on, Bill Belichick was playing three deep safeties and saying, you're not beating me over the top. And the Dolphins said, okay, we'll run the ball. And Raheem Mostert had a really nice day. Jalen Waddle had a really nice day. They were really focused on, I mean, we know what Bill Belichick is going to do as a defensive mind. He's going to find what you do best and do his best to slow down that asset. Tyreek Hill didn't have a huge game yards-wise. He did have the touchdown. But for the most part, the Patriots held him in check. Jalen Waddle, though, had a really nice day. Mostert, they ran the ball really well. I thought it was a really nice display of, counterpunching the counterpunch by Mike McDaniel uh, to, to the Patriots. And like, yeah, the score looked, made the game look closer. It never felt like the Dolphins were in danger of losing that game. Yeah, I agree with you there. And the fact that two is five and no against Bill Belichick. Yeah, someone, man. You know, that that's kind of surprising to me when I saw that up on the screen. I was like, well, he kind of not kind of he owns Bill Belichick. huh? Very interesting <laughs> to see that. But uh, there were comments during the game that I thought were very funny. A lot of people still feel like the Patriots' offense is kind of prehistoric. Oh, absolutely, man! Like they, <laughs> it, it feels like the game in a in a lot of ways, especially offensively, has passed Bill Belichick by. Because like, if you're you got it in his mind, he's got to know. Okay, I'm really on the back nine here. How am I going to win games? There's no way in hell he can go into every week thinking, okay, this offense is going to be really good with a very limited quarterback physically, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Devontae Parker as my receivers. And I'm just going to utilize the run game with Ramondre Stevenson and not prime Ezekiel Elliott and hope that Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki can be my vertical threats. There's no way in hell he can go into every game confident in that offense. I don't think any coach has aged faster than Bill Belichick over the yeah. past few years. And it's not just about Brady going from New England to Tampa Bay and then retiring. It's just, as you said, the wide receiver position is now a premium position in the NFL. And your top threats are, are Juju Smith-Schuster and Kendrick Bourne and Devontae Parker, who's always hurt. And th there's reports that Juju Smith-Schuster's knee still isn't right from his last yeah. year in Kansas City. So if he goes down, what are you going to do? The, rate, the the Patriots haven't been able to develop wide receivers. Tyquan Thornton is still in a milk carton. Who's a, a day two pick. Hasn't contributed much to that offense. They need explosive playmakers, and they don't have it. And that's going to be the limitation this year. And that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. They'll, they'll be a tough hard out for teams that are trying to make the playoffs and have to sure. get over the Patriots to get there. But they're not going to win enough games in that AFC East division, even with the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, the defense is always going to be, you know, in the upper half of the league. Like, right. they, they got Christian Gonzalez, who got an interception yesterday. Matt Judon looked really good. Josh Uche. Like, they've got guys on that side of the ball that you don't want to face, and they're going to beat the hell out of you for 60 minutes. But the second Mac Jones strolls out there, every fan of the opposing team is like, oh, yeah, no, never mind. This is fine. We're, <laughs> we're going to be totally fine. 
And that's not exactly what you want as as a head coach, especially at this point in his career, where I'm sure Bill would like to prove that he doesn't necessarily need Tom Brady to win. But ever since Tom Brady's left, it we, we've kind of seen what the Patriots have been. In 1993, this would be a playoff team. <laughs> In 2023, not so much for the Patriots. It's just a slow offense. It's not explosive. It can't come back from behind if it gets behind by multiple scores. It's just not happening for New England. That was fantastic. Um, <laughs> Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears. We need to start having the conversation that maybe he's not the guy. And I understand that Luke Getzey's offense is not exactly – you know, and we talked about the Steelers earlier. Matt Canada and Luke Getzey are polar opposites, but they're still both horrible. Like Matt Canada lives and dies underneath, isn't going to be explosive. Luke Getzey wants to be too explosive and doesn't have any sort of underneath outlet for Justin Fields, which causes him to stand in the pocket for nine seconds, which can be blamed on Luke Getzey. But if you're Justin Fields, you can't do that. And the boneheaded throws that he was making, especially at the end of the game where they throw the screen pass, everybody in Tampa Bay knew where the ball was going. And that's how the game ends. They started off fast and they realized, oh, okay, maybe if we get the ball to DJ Moore, good things will happen. Two plays, two throws to DJ Moore, big yards, and they march on the field and score. They didn't give a piss about DJ Moore the rest of the game. So it's it's a coaching problem, yes, in Chicago. It's also, okay, maybe this is also a Justin Fields problem. And and I was one of the people that thought Justin Fields would have a third-year leap. I was expecting him to look, mark, you know, significantly better this year under Lugetti in, in another year bears now have dj moore as you just mentioned chase claypool i don't know what happened to chase claypool i know he had he's a scored, touchdown he scored yesterday. You know, i know he scored but there have been reports there that he's just not even motivated to play right. the game and and that's that's worrisome to me i know they brought also brought in cole uh, they have cole commit they also brought in robert Tanya from green bay yeah so they, you know they tried to fortify the offensive line drafted darnell Wright in the first round and i get that I, i'm willing to kind of wait it out and see if there's some progression as the season goes on it's still early but it, you you mentioned something about justin fields i think he holds the ball a little too long i think that happens to a lot of athletic quarterbacks they they wait to, for late in their reason think okay i can i had the athleticism to get yeah. myself out of trouble so i can hold the ball a little longer than most quarterbacks or pocket passing quarterbacks i think that's what gets him in trouble get rid of the ball Get it to your your get it to the short passing game. Get it to your running backs out of the backfield. Get it to your tight ends, and just get rid of the ball and let your playmakers do the work. Now, part of that has to go on Luke Getzey. He has to scheme up some plays to get the ball out of Justin Fields' hands, get his guys in open space. But I'm still waiting to I'm still willing to wait on Justin Fields. I still think he will show improvement. It may not be the improvement that I expected. May may be a little undelivered on those expectations. But the Bears, their defense also has to get it together. Yeah. I mean, there's some questions with their defensive coordinator. I believe Alan Williams, Williams wasn't coaching the game for personal reasons. I don't know what that's about, but the Bears are still a work in progress. A lot of people said maybe they could be a surprise team in the NFC North. Probably not going to happen. It certainly doesn't look like it. Um, we'll wrap up the AFC West because the game of the week, or at least what we thought would be the game of the week, Chiefs-Jaguars. I mean, I wasn't going to bet the under on this, but 17-9, to just a really sloppy game from both sides. Uh, Jaguars never really got in sync. Calvin Ridley didn't have, you know, much chemistry yesterday with, with Trevor Lawrence. Christian Kirk had, you know, a few pop plays, but for the most part, the Jaguars looked dead in the water. The Chiefs didn't look much better, um, but Travis Kelsey in his first game back gets a touchdown, which is ultimately the difference maker. 
I'm not too worried about either team. I still think the Jaguars are going to be, I picked them to be like a plucky, my number one seed in the AFC. I still yeah. feel that way. And I still think the Chiefs are going to be, you know, what the Chiefs are. It was just a weird game yesterday. Super weird game. Travis Kelsey still limited. Um, yeah. Kadarius Tony didn't give away the game. He had five yeah, catches. Good, yeah, good for, good for Tony. <laughs> I'm sure he can now reactivate his social media account and get back at Giants <laughs> fans now. He, he can come out of hiding after after what he did in the season opener. But I'm with you on this. The Chiefs are going to be fine. You assume that Patrick with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're going to eventually figure it out. The one thing I will say about the Chiefs is their defense is a lot better than years past under Steve Spagnuolo. He's done a pretty good job with a relatively young group outside of maybe Chris Jones. Even their linebackers, they're experienced, but they're still young guys. I believe that could be one of the better linebacking uh, groups in the league, but uh, with Willie Gay and, and Bolton. But with the, with the Chiefs, not worried about them. I expect them to win the division because we talked about the rest of the AFC West teams, the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Are they going to challenge? They haven't beat the Chiefs in how long? The Raiders. Like 2015 or something crazy <laughs> like that. Right. Is They have like a double-digit win streak over the Denver Broncos. The Raiders are still figuring it out. And the Chargers are underachieving once again. Surprise, shocker. Not really. <laughs> but um, as you said, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually picked Trevor Lawrence to be MVP this year. So, man, uh, no, you and I are in sync <laughs> on so many things. I did, too. Because I, I, I look at their schedule, and you ha, you look in their division, they have two teams that are rebuilding now. I bet the Colts look a little better. Look, if Anthony Richardson could protect himself a little more, went to yeah. concussion protocol, if he could protect himself a little more with Shane Steichen, the Colts could be a surprise. But they got two rebuilding teams in the division, and I, I can't I would argue anyone. three. I think the Titans are a team that is rebuilding. They just don't want to acknowledge that they are. They're trying to pretend that, you know, oh, man, we got DeAndre Hawkins. We're still a playoff contender. No, you're not. They're in this weird spot. They're kind of like the Raiders where you don't you, you look at their roster and the construction of their roster and you're questioning, are they rebuilding, retooling? Yep. Where are they? Where are they? They're in this weird gray area where they should be fully rebuilding, but they're trying to play as if they're not. They're bringing, as you said, DeAndre Hopkins. They have Ryan Tannehill there. Will Levis doesn't look like he's ready to take the field yet. No. I didn't see enough from, from Malik Willis in the preseason, but I don't know where the Titans are heading, but they're not going to the playoffs. So I, I think by default, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win a division. It's how good are they going to look going into the playoffs? And when you look at, you know, what Jacksonville has, you know, the last time that Doug Peterson really had an extended time with a quarterback, you know, going into his second year, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate before he blew out his knee in the, in the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, that might be a little bit of a long shot connection, but you bring in Calvin Ridley, you have Christian Kirk, Zay Jones is a really reliable third option uh, at receiver, Evan Ingram, you got a good collection of backs with ETN and Tank Bigsby. Only thing that worries me about Jacksonville for the most part is how consistent can that defense be? Because I know they have a lot of, you know, fan favorites with, you know, Foyer, uh, Andre Sisco is really good, but there's still questions in their secondary. Um, and they need somebody in that front seven to kind of, take the leap and be the unquestioned leader of that group. They have a lot of young guys, but you know, for the most part, it's been, you know, a lot of B minus B plus guys without one guy really taking command and becoming the A guy. Yeah. Can their number one overall pick from a couple of years ago, Trayvon Walker show up and look like a number one overall pick. And that especially with Aiden Hutchinson looking the way he does and they didn't take him. Right. And a lot of people were quite, were kind of questioning that, that Aiden Hutchinson was kind of the safe pick where Trayvon Walker was like the high upside pick. So We'll see. It, does he is he going to show that high upside? Because if he does, Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be solid. If not, I hate to say this, not hate to say this, but it's going to sound weird this coming out. They're going to probably miss Arden Key a little bit because he yeah. was part of that pass rush last year, 
And now he's still in division with the Tennessee Titans. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jacksonville's defense comes along. All right. Monday night football tonight, doubleheader, Panthers, Saints, Steelers, Browns. What are your expectations for both games tonight? I expect 85% of Raider fans to be watching the Saints Panthers game to, to see Derek Carr and how he <laughs> performs in the red zone. There are going to be some Raider fans that are going to be rooting for Derek Carr, and there are going to be some Raider fans hoping that he looks absolutely trash because Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a game on Sunday. So tip for tat, you want to be even keel. But I, I expect the Saints to win. Uh, we have a betting column, column up on Bleach Report. Only one of our experts expect the Panthers to actually cover a three-and-a-half-point spread. I think the Saints win by a touchdown. I know they have the red zone woes, but I think with Bryce Young still learning, still learning to be a pro and coming along, I, I think the Saints win handily because their defense is still pretty solid. Even though De Dennis Allen is a horrible head coach, he knows, oh, how to put a, he knows how to put a good defense on the field. And as I said, I expect the Steelers to show up. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I expect the Steelers to show up in that game to be a lot closer than people think. The Browns are not going to run away with that going to be a competitive knockdown drag out game i feel like panther saints is going to lull people to sleep yep. and i think that steelers browns will be a little bit more exciting uh we'll see what version of deshaun watson shows up i guess we'll see what version of the steelers show up well mm. as well um but i will also go saints i will go steelers very hesitantly to win just because i don't think that we're going to see consecutive performances like that i think mike thomas too good of a coach to allow that to happen um, and then we'll have, you know, two one and one teams in the AFC North and then Baltimore on top after week two. And then the NFC South is Tampa Bay could be leading this division after week two, which is not something I expected to say going into the year. I hate to put this on you, Jared, but I have the Browns winning by a field goal and Nick Chubb running wild. And people are starting to think, is Nick Chubb going to win the rushing title? Because Nick Chubb was my pick to win the rushing title this mm. year with Kareem Hunt not being in the picture. I think Nick Chubb is going to have a big year. That is going to be the biggest determining factor is, okay, no Cam Hayward. Can somebody step up and help this run game? Because Christian McCaffrey ran for seven seven yards a pop last week, had 160 yards. Mm -hmm. Without Cam Hayward, can Keanu Benton come in? You know, the second-round pick from Wisconsin. He had a really nice preseason. Can he clog up running lanes? Can guys like DeMarvin Leal and Isaiah Loudermill, can they, you know, not fill the shoes, but can they all collectively come together and be formidable against, you know, a rushing attack for the Browns that's really good on the inside? Um, and then what can DeWan – Demond Jones do against TJ Watt. That's going to, you know, no Jack Conklin for the Browns. And if TJ Watt gets unleashed, he had three sacks last week. We'll see if uh, he can continue that going forward. Mo, this is a lot of fun, buddy. What do you, uh, what do you got coming this, this coming week? Man, tonight, uh, well, this evening before Monday Night Football action, I have a Bleacher Report live, just breaking down the Raiders stock up, stock down. And it's a lot of, obviously, a lot of stock down players. The Raiders didn't have a lot of, maybe a few, one or two bright spots from Sunday's game. Uh, of course, I do a show with Scott Branson, just breaking down the Raiders week to week. We have three shows a week. We have another show coming up on Wednesday. We're going to have, surprise, surprise, we're going to have you on, yes, <laughs> as we, we talked about before we before I got on with you. So we're going to do a little bit of some crossover action. We're going to talk Steelers, Raiders, which I think, is again, is going to be an entertaining game. We'll see if you'll part. get like happy Jared Bailey or angry <laughs> rant Jared Bailey after an 0-2 start. So Bring them be... both. <laughs> we'll welcome both versions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for that. Uh, and then in terms of me, if you're listening to this as a podcast, um, go read. Uh, I just did a story on Josh Allen, wrote it up last night. Just felt like I had a lot of words to say about him. So that's up on USA Today. Tuesday morning, power rankings on USA Today, uh, winners and losers. Um, and then the worst of the week, which is something that I'm starting where I go through just things I hated. And I just kind of ran about them. Uh, <laughs> that'll be on USA Today, too. Uh, Mo, appreciate you coming on, man. We will 
definitely do this more throughout the season. I will always carve out time for you. And uh, this is a lot of good fun. I appreciate you. Absolutely. We got to go back and forth again. Let's not make this few and far in between because fun talking football, especially just the Monday after all the madness happens on Sunday. Absolutely. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, to the Pump Fate. We'll be back later on in the week as we gear toward week three already in the NFL. Appreciate y'all for listening. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.